Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. Whether you're live streaming or live, I'm Talbot Davis, the pastor here. So glad to be able to welcome you and engage with you. And before I say anything else, we, if, if you are a parent with a child in nursery or K-Zone, and the, the tag number is 9N2, so moms and dads looked at 9N2, uh, the ministry team needs uh, a parent to help with a, a child who might be a little bit fussy. So 9N2. And that segues exactly in what we're talking about today. Because this series is called What in the World? And today's message, I kid you not, is what in the world is going on with kids these days? I, I promise, kids these days, and nine and two is one of them, kids, the, kids, kids these days. And uh, yeah, and so if you have this series, What in the World? It it started in our homes and it literally went around the world and it's gathering back in our homes. Got it, this is week six of it. Today, if you have your Bible with you, I wanna invite you to locate in your Bible the New Testament letter of 1 Peter chapter five, verses eight and nine. Maybe your Bible looks like mine. It looks like a book, even though it's really a library. Or maybe your Bible is on your phone, but just locate 1 Peter chapter five and verses eight and nine. You may know this, you may not know this, but 1 Peter is a letter, letter written in the New Testament era about uh, 60 or so AD. And this is, this is, this is named after the author. A lot of the uh, letters in the New Testament, like, I don't know, 1 Timothy or 1 Corinthians, they're named after the recipient. 1 Peter is named after the author who was Peter. Yeah, and Peter is the, the you may know, he, he, he denied he knew Jesus. If you watch The Chosen, he's the really good-looking guy with the amazing biceps and, and kind of the leader of the early church. This is, this is a letter from that really hot guy, 1 Peter. <laughs> Chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. So we at Good Shepherd, we believe, uh, uh, chosen or not, we, we believe that the Bible, you may not believe this yet, we just want to be honest and clear. We believe that the Bible really is inspired and eternal and true. That God breathed his life into Peter and the other biblical authors to give us his word at the right time. And out of that conviction that the Bible is inspired and eternal and true, we have a custom. And when we talk about the Bible together, we lift it up. And if you, whoa, and if you've never been here before or it's new, this just kind of looks strange, all these phones and stuff in the air. I think it looks beautiful because we've discovered that this moment of oddity shapes our identity as a community. We're a collection of people and we don't have life figured out, but we know who does. And because we know he does, we're glad to surrender to his authority, amen? And before I say anything else about kids these days, let's pray. So God, thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you for inspiring Peter to write this letter and I pray that it would help moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads and step-parents and foster parents, everyone on that continuum would help us all embrace, understand, and internalize this message in the strong and the saving name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, kids, these days... If, if you're an adult, you, you probably had it said about you when you were a kid, kids these days. And now if you're an adult, you say it about 
kids in your life. You're like kids these days. And, and, and if you're a kid in the house today, believe me, your parents and your grandparents and your aunts and your uncles, they're saying it about you kids these days because it is a fact that every generation that comes along is convinced that the generation just behind it is more coddled, more crazy, and certainly more dangerous than every generation that has ever existed on planet, planet Earth. And, and you know this is true, and so often it, it stems around musical taste, does it not? I mean, think back, when, when Elvis had a whole lot of shaking going on, it was kids these days. And then the Beatles, they did Beatle things. And everybody was like, kids these days. And then the Bee Gees, they were staying alive and admitted half of you wish they didn't. <laughs> they were staying alive and, and you know, people were like, kids these days. And a lot of you, you grew up on Lionel Richie and your kids grew up to embrace the Beastie Boys and run DMC. It's kids these days. And if you're a parent now, there's Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift and Lord and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, and Drake. And, and it's so hard to keep up. And you're like kids these days. And so often, so much of that frustration with the generations coming behind us, there's not just a whole lot of shaking going on, but there's a whole lot of exaggerating going on as well, as every generation thinks it's the one behind it is a little bit more crazy and a little bit more coddled and way more dangerous. Usually, there's a lot of exaggerating going on, except with the exception of kids these days, the generation coming along this day. And what is the difference between children and adolescents of this era and every era that has ever existed before? This is the difference. Average recommended screen time for adolescents, 2.5 hours a day. Real average screen time for adolescents, 7 hours a day. And all of those 7 hours, all of those 7 hours being subject to all the information in the history of the world and all the opinion in the history of today, and those seven hours are spent with their minds being impacted and shaped by online friends and online enemies and online influencers and online predators. And you add to that already toxic mix a year for some, two years for others on lockdown and the isolation that ensued. And all of that toxic combination of so much online life and so much isolation brought about by lockdown makes you realize, Good Shepherd, makes you realize that all of that activity, unlike any other generation ever before, kids these days are more subject to anxiety and more subject to depression and, yeah, more subject to self-destructive thoughts than any generation that has ever come before. Because these, these devices, I don't know if you know this or not, they change how you think. They actually, whether you're a kid or not, 
They actually change how your mind functions. They outsource your memory. Like who in the world would ever memorize a telephone number anymore? What's the point of that? I served a church in Monroe, and I'm weird. This is in the 90s, and I'm weird. It wasn't that big a church, but I did have every phone number in that church memorized. Well, how use, well it was useless skill then, too. I mean, I could have gone and looked it up. But how useless is that skill now? Who, who needs, or who needs to know how to read a map? You just have to have the app tell you where to go. And add to that the proliferation of online sexual activity. And for a lot of our adolescents, sexuality becomes something that you watch not something that you're part of. It changes how you think. But in addition to changing how it is you think, these devices change what you think as well. Our adolescents, and sometimes younger, are bombarded with the continual messaging, you're not enough, you're, you're incomplete, you always need more, and whatever moments of joy they can conjure up are suddenly obliterated in this comparison trap because my joy is not as good as his joy or her joy. They change what you think. And in fact, it's all so dangerous. It's also pernicious that there's a new acronym describing what, the, what these devices are doing to the minds of our children and our teenagers. It's K-G-O. K-G-O-Y, K-G-O-Y, kids getting older, younger, meaning kids exposed to adult activity and adult processing of events way before their brains are capable of comprehending and processing it, it all. Kids are getting older, younger. Nobody is the winner in that dynamic. And you could say, Good Shepherd, that our kids are under assault. That the difference between kids these days and kids those days, kids any other days, is that the kids these days are under a continuing assault in their minds, through their eyes. Kids are under assault. And I know, and I know that that assault has a source. And I know that assault has a source because first Peter tells it to the early church and what he says to the early church in the first century is so relevant to this church in the 21st century because look how first Peter words it. First Peter chapter five and verse eight, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. Yeah. The assault that our children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews and stepchildren, the assault that they are under has a source, and that source is satanic. And if you're like, whoa, I didn't think we believed in Satan anymore. I thought that's just the, the phrase about evil. And the, no, we're, we're not too sophisticated. I am not smarter than Peter. And if Peter identified Satan as the source, I think we do well to learn from his inspiration. And yeah, I believe that our children and our grandchildren are under this unrelenting uh, attack and assault that does have demonic and supernatural source to it. And if you doubt me on this, if you doubt me on this, consider this. We have so many young people 
who are being influenced daily, and many of them are buying it, that the solution to your depression is the erasure of your gender. That if you are sad, anxious, or depressed, the solution to that is to change your gender. Talk about failing the say it out loud test. I'm sad and I'm depressed. And so what it means is that I have been trapped in the wrong body my whole life. Talk about, and people, and it, 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 people are buying it. And, and lest you think, oh, that's just somewhere else. That's just for other people who live other places. No, 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 no. There are what they call, just so you know, this is a social contagion that is going on. And the social contagion has given rise to clusters of adolescents deciding they're in the wrong body in Mecklenburg and in York counties and going through incredible medical transitions to change from one kind of body to another. Talk about a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And people buy it. Listen, listen, listen. If, if you're one of those adolescents, and you have been manipulated into thinking that the cause of your anxiety and the cause of your depression it has to do with the fact that you're in the wrong gender, people are lying to you. you. You are being deceived, and it is a lie from the pits of hell. And the reason they are lying to you has a financial stake because people are getting rich off of all these medical transitions. And the reason they're lying to you has this weird, odd social stake because they want to render you so that you cannot have children when you get older. And you put all those factors together. And I just want you to know with everything I can conjure up, there is a better way. Don't buy the lie. You, you are loved regardless of your level of depression and anxiety, regardless of you feeling awkward in your adolescence because it seems like you're in the wrong body, you are loved in the body that you were given. And there is a better way than buying that lie, good shepherd. And so and if you're a parent or a grandparent of someone undergoing these kind of stresses, man, realize, identify, all of this is an assault on the hearts and the minds and the eyes of our kids. And the, that's heavy. That's heavy stuff. They're like, I just come to church today. You, you know how you understand today just how ridiculous those claims are? You don't even have to be Christian to understand what I'm saying. In, in fact, some of the most influential work against this sort of gender craze comes from people who are Jewish and people who are atheists and all kinds of perspectives in between because there are so many people who genuinely want what's best for your adolescent and your adolescent and your adolescent. And it's always that contentment in the body that God gave them. Can I hear an amen for that? So yeah, kids these days are under assault. That assault has its roots in Satan, but there is good news. There's good news in the very next verse in 1 Peter chapter 5. Look what verse 9 says. After Peter has just said that the, that the enemy, the devil, roar, ro ro roams about like a roaring lion, and I know whenever a child succumbs to anxiety, depression, self-destruction, Satan roars into light 
Well, guess what? We want to keep Satan quiet. We don't want him roaring in delight and roaring in victory. Look what verse 9 says. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. I love that. Don't, don't avoid Satan. Don't pretend like Satan doesn't exist. Don't be too sophisticated ever to talk about it. Resist him. It says, with all that you have, understanding if, that you have, if you have said yes to Jesus, you have been bought by his blood and you are filled with his spirit and you are given Jesus's power to resist the lies and the deception and the cruelty of the evil one. Resist him, it says. And so we, re we realize as a church, man, if we have this power given to us, resist him. If we have that power given to us, and if our kids are under assault, man, we need to be thinking about this well. And so here's what I want you to know that we have decided to do when it comes to kids these days. It's this, the understanding that a spiritual assault requires a strategic response as, as a church. That now it's a strategic response that's bathed in prayer and that, and that understands that in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood and, and the filling of the Holy Spirit, man, we do have power to resist Satan, not just to pretend like he doesn't, it doesn't exist, but we have a strategic response. And so what I want to do for the, the few minutes with you is, is go over some of the elements of what this church does to, to shut Satan up to have a, a, a strategic response to the spiritual assault that he is making on the lives of the next generation. And, and as part of that, uh, that strategic response, and you can jot this down. If you jot it down on a piece of paper, maybe worth something someday. But first is that parents are partners and not obstacles. When we think about our approach to children's ministry, kids' ministry, nursery ministry, student ministry, Parents are partners and not obstacles. 24 years ago now, that's almost a quarter century, people. 24 years ago, we had a sign up in our youth ministry that said, no parents allowed. And we thought we were so cool. Now we just know we were so stupid. <laughs> Bordering on moronic. In the 24 years, we've grown a little bit and gained a little bit of wisdom. And we realize as a church that you never, a church never takes the place of parents. The best we do is supplement parents and augment parents and that we equip parents so that they can have the tools and the influence so that their living relationship with Jesus Christ will be passed on to their children and their grandchildren and their nieces and nephews. And, and, as, and as I say that, parents are not obstacles, but partners, you're like, wait, whoa, 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 Talbot. I don't know anything myself. How can you expect me to give any, that which I don't know to my kids? How, how can I pour out of an empty bucket? Well, guess what? It's just like a tree, your house. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time to plant a tree is today. And if you realize, oh my gosh, my kids are under assault. There is stuff coming in through their phones, into their minds all the time. I want to pass on a living relationship with Jesus Christ, but I don't even know where to begin. Today is the day to start. Today, how great will it be, Good Shepherd, when his life animates yours? When the, when the breath in your lungs comes from him? When, when the, your heartbeat 
beats as one with his desires. Now, living relationship with Jesus Christ, man, it, it does involve some discipline and it does involve some routines. And, and, and we happen to believe at this church that a living relationship with Jesus Christ always begins with, includes daily Bible reading. And, and that's why we want y'all to read the Bible like every day in the morning. But the good news is we don't just take you by the shoulders and say, read the Bible, will ya? We instead have a tool where we can come alongside you, put our arms around your shoulders and say, we'll be your guide to help you read the Bible with us together. It's called Come Alive Daily. We're putting the way that you can connect up on the screen. If you go to gscharlotte.org slash email, like now, like adults, you're, you're this, for your adolescence, bad. For you right now, good. Sign up and use it. <laughs> sign up and you, you can sign up now, and I can promise you that tomorrow, if you sign up now, you will join the well more than 2,000 people who every morning get Come Alive Daily in their email inbox at 4 a.m. And it, it, you tomorrow, we're, we are in the Gospel of John, and, and you will get, I think it's John 8 or John 9. Yeah, it's in the Bible somewhere. No, you will, it's already been written and loaded and prepared. You, if you sign up, that will be in your inbox tomorrow. You, 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 a living relationship with Jesus Christ is alive and vibrant, but man, you have those kind of routines Pray, routine prayer, make sure that prayer is never just routine. And in the same way, same with life groups. That's why we're having life group launch today. If you're a parent of an adolescent and you're really wrestling with and struggling with, how do I deal with all this stuff? How great will it be for you to gather together with other moms and other dads or other empty nesters raising grandchildren going through the exact same? It's almost like we thunk this stuff up together, isn't it? Because our parents are not obstacles. They're our partners. And man, so thinking about my own, my own journey with this, and my kids are now 33 and 30, and adults, obviously, and, and, and they walk with Jesus. But my, my lament about when they were younger is, is that I positioned faith for them mostly as preventative, like this is a way to stay out of trouble. This is a way to make your life really good. And, and the, the good news is they stayed out of trouble. They, did no, they gave us no trouble as teenagers. It is possible, hallelujah, to avoid teenage rebellion. I got to have an amen for that. It's not inevitable. It is possible. But you know what my lament is? As I look back, I made God more useful to them than I did beautiful. I, I spent so much time talking to them about how this makes life work and this will keep you out of trouble. I didn't tell them how good it is to be saved. What kind of joy you can have in prayer. I didn't share with them the miracle of Holy Spirit filling. So if I had to do it all over again, I think the one alteration that I would make, I would make sure that, that God, they knew God is beautiful, not just useful. How about when you share your faith with the next generation? That's how you position. There, Jesus has, has bought my soul and there's nothing better in life than that truth. Because listen, if you're one of those people, well, 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 I don't want to talk about it. They'll just catch it from me. No, they won't. Your silence is your hypocrisy. They need to know that 
the reason for the hope that lives within you. And as you share the hope that lives within you, know this, hear this, they will be odd. They will be different from the kids who surround them. Even what I talked about earlier, when you understand that this gender transition craze really is a demonic, satanic assault designed to depopulate the earth, that that sounds weird saying it. It's still true. Your kids will be strange and they will be different. But if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, the stranger you are, the stronger you will be. And we just want a full generational church of oddballs at Good Shepherd Church. Yeah. Parents are not obstacles. They're our partners. And the church, second piece of this strategy, because a spiritual assault requires a strategic response. And church adds a voice. And, and this, is, this is why those volunteers at this church who work with students and who work with children, they are among the most valuable, vital volunteers that we have at this place. Because all of you know, any, anybody, any of you who've been a parent and kids have grown up at all, you know that, when, that man, when, when you were 10, when your kid was 10, there's nobody in the world smarter than dad. And then when your kid turned 13, Man, you're a source of embarrassment. (laughs) And then when that same kid turned 16, your very existence on planet Earth was the greatest cause for shame in the life of that child. And then when that child turned 25, dad was the smartest man he'd ever met. (laughs) Well, see, in all those uneven seasons of life, you need moms and dads, you need one other voice. You need one other voice who's cooler than you. And believe me, when you're, when your kid's 16, anybody's cooler than you. One extra voice. And I'm just really grateful that when it was my kids and this church and for my son, it was Rick Powell, that extra voice. And with our daughter, it was Amy Berryhill and Jill Stuckey, that one other voice speaking wisdom and consistency into a world that lacks both. And speaking of consistency, it's not just that the church adds a voice, it's that that voice is consistent. A a, a spiritual assault requires a strategic response, and that voice is consistent. And what I want you to know with this idea is that you may be realizing today that that voice that I'm speaking of is you. That you're the one who is called. You're the one who is invited to share your experience and strength and hope with the generation coming up behind you. You, not someone else, not the person next to you. Well, I hope they do it because I don't want to. No, you. In fact, a couple weeks ago, as I was jotting down the, the, the notes for, for what ended up becoming this message, and, and uh, somebody's mo- uh, name came to my mind, and, and I just sent him a message. You, sir. You are called to be a voice to the next generation. And so are you. You, And you're like, well, I don't have the ability. Do you have the availability? That's what God is looking for. And so you, you will be resourced and you will be equipped and you will be Holy Spirit empowered. So that at some point, when there's another preacher up here talking about the kids who grew up in this church, it's gonna be your voice that kept them in the faith. Kind of like 
kind of like this email that we got from a parent of a teenager at Good Shepherd Church. Listen to this. Our daughter and our family are so grateful for Good Shepherd Church caring for us at the present time. Whether it is Daryl, Nana, or Kaylee, these are her volunteer life group leaders. Her leaders have become like little good shepherds being there for her. Through calmly and confidently leading her through some rough wilderness, their loyalty has opened many doors for spiritual growth. Her life group leaders have been there for her and made her more like Jesus. And she now has a heart to serve and to duplicate leadership in varying capacities. Her life group leaders have truly given her a new perspective on life. Our daughter's been challenged to become more like Christ in every area of her life. Her faith is now given more focused direction. Everything that her three leaders, Nana, Kaylee, Daryl, has done has been for the glory of God. And going to church has transformed her into a daughter of ours who has her identity firmly rooted in Jesus. When you're firmly rooted in Jesus, you don't believe the lies of Satan. Now she has developed a rapport and a trust for her to openly share some hurts and opportunities. All three have been active listeners in her life with time well invested. Because of God working through the life group leaders, our, get this, our daughter too wants to be a servant leader and leads others to places of rest. You see how that works? You pour your life into the life of a student who wants to pour her life into the life of other students. And that, you can be the subject of that email someday because that is what God is doing with kids these days. Let's pray. And we've talked about heavy stuff today. I wanna to invite you to rise on your feet, even now. We don't usually do this when we pray, but even now we've talked about heavy stuff. Lord Jesus, I come on behalf of the gathered body of Good Shepherd and we resist the evil one by the power of the name of Jesus, by the goodness of Holy Spirit filling. We rebuke any lies that have infiltrated any minds within the sound of my voice or beyond. We give the next generation resisting him who would steal them and elevating him who came to save them. We give the next generation to your feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are absolutely powerless without you, but because of you, we are never helpless. In your name we pray. And everyone who agreed together said, Amen.